I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. You guys already know the deal. Like, share, subscribe, leave a comment. It's positive vibes. We're talking after a win so let's just be positive here, guys. My name is Iman, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Pascal Propaganda, Cashton. Cashton, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's uh, you know, it's like Superman's taking the the the, the Clark Kent disguise off, right? This is like my true identity. This is <laughs> this is a major moment. This is a major <laughs> moment. Yeah, you know, that's too kind. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. You look less like Pascal than I thought you would. <laughs> oh no, to be fair. Like yeah. I thought you I thought you would have like 43 tatted on you, maybe on your face. Um, I'm, I'm visiting my parents right now. So normally I would have brought out some of the merch for you, but you know, there's nothing here. It's well, uh you were one of my favorite Twitter follows. Um you were so great. For anyone who does not follow Pascal Propaganda, you're missing out on some great content so please do yourself a favor and make that change um also what a fun time to be talking about pascal siakam because any of the other weeks prior would not have been great we are coming to you guys right after the raptors defeat the oklahoma city thunder in what is possibly the rematch of the century there with fred van vliet and ben taylor it's creed four pretty much Basically, basic, <laughs> basically, you know, you know, as uneventful um, as as can be, Fred Van Vliet shot zero free throws. Fred Van Vliet was also called for zero fouls, and the Raptors kind of walked away with the game. But before we get to that, what were your thoughts on this Raptors Thunder game? You know, it was everything we needed to see from the team. You know, Denver's kind of been slumping, so you could maybe mm-hmm. say, oh, they got away with one there. And with this Thunder team, they're in the fight of their lives for a playoff berth. They're ahead of schedule. They wanted to, you know, make a push for the playoffs. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a superstar in the NBA. He's got a team that can get them into the 7-8 conversation. And they're trying to win games. And the Raptors won this one handily. Uh, it was not really a sweat. Uh, they fourth quarter played incredible defense. Uh, they had six incredible contributions up and down the roster. And, you know, a pleasant surprise, the Thunder in the last ditch effort to try to steal the game went to Haka Jakob and he looked like, you know, Steve Nash at the line. So <laughs> it was and to me, that was, it was such an odd strategy. And I, I tweeted about it. But I, th- I think to your point, um, because, yes, Denver is slumping. So maybe a win against them probably should have had one in Denver as well. It's not mm-hmm. a huge deal. But I think. The difference is if you look at that Denver game, especially the one that happened in Denver, or even like the Lakers game, the Clippers game, this is a team that has not been playing terribly. But the problem is when you can't shake your opponent, you you only have that eight point lead for the entirety of the game, which is what it felt like tonight as well. Um, what happens is in the fourth quarter, that margin is not so big and your starters play so much of the minutes that things Two things have happened for the Raptors. One is they're not getting contributions outside of their starters. Um, and so the bench comes in and that lead just d- disappears because they haven't built enough of a cushion. I guess you need a three-point cushion in order to feel comfortable <laughs> for this team's bench to come in. And number two, just like it, it, the fourth quarter comes and, and the guys get tired. And tonight, 
the opposite happened. The fourth quarter came and I felt like the Raptors, that that's when the Raptors pushed away. That's when the Raptors really took this game and one-handedly. Um, so to me, it just felt like a completely different game than anything that we've seen over the road. And I think a large part of that, as you mentioned, six contributors. That is the Raptors when they play the best. They had six guys in double figures tonight. That is, is sort of the Raptors calling card. Pascal's going to be your leader. Pascal's going to score the most points as he did tonight. And still you're going to have five other guys that can contribute and put the ball through the hoop. And we've known Fred hasn't had a great season doing that. Gary's been in a bit of a slump right now, but when you have all of them, uh, this team is special. (laughs) And tonight I thought the team really kind of looked like a Raptors team, the Raptors team that you would believe in. Uh, And I also want to talk about that hacky act strategy because what? (laughs) Like to me, I get it, right? Like Jakob Pertl hasn't been a great uh, free throw shooter. I don't know what he's shooting right now or as a Raptor. I feel like it's been better than he was in mm-hmm. at the start of the year in San Antonio, probably around 60% as a Raptor, which is obviously not terrible. I don't know that you want a 60% free throw shooter taking every single free throw. But to me, what was so curious about that is the Raptors are a bad half court offense. Like, why are like you were better off not doing that so for three straight possessions they hacked Jakob and it turned into seven points he was five or six from the line the one free throw that he did miss Scotty Barnes got the rebound and ended up coming back to Scotty for a dunk so they had seven points off of those three possessions and then immediately after when they didn't follow Yak you know what happened Scotty bricked a wide open three from the corner because that's what the Raptors do. They're not a good three-point shooting team they're not a good team that can operate in the half court so it just felt like an odd strategy well, the other thing, too, is on the defensive end, it allows you to get your defense set. Yeah. And those five that they've had of Fred, OG, Pascal, Scotty, Jakob, they are a menace defensively. Yeah. And, you know, Gary held his own a little bit. I was a little worried for, you know, some of our guards out there with Trey Mann snatching ankles. But for the most part, they they held their own. And I, I'm just really pleased and it's hard to say, oh, every night have six guys score in double figures. That isn't necessarily a reliable solution. You're not going to have six players combined for 119 points every <laughs> night. But at the same time, the formula of we're going to have you know overqualified players in certain roles and other nights they're going to step up. And, and OG, every time he shoots the ball now, it just feels like it's automatic. Money. He's been uh, hitting middies too. Like it's everything, just... three level scorer and his yeah. balance. You know, there's a lot of questions about, ooh, you know, as he goes to the rim, is he going to get all the way there? And he's been looking phenomenal. And when they play like this, it really showcases the vision of what they wanted to create. And it's how do you do that? How do you repeat it day in, day out? And, you know, it. I'm hopeful because, like you said, the whole season has been a story of players slumping at the wrong time and if they just had one more con- uh, con- contributor or one extra shot here or another shot there uh and I, I, I maybe i'm a bit of a, a sicko but i'm getting really optimistic for 23 24 just looking at how they're rounding into form now kind of feels like another year of rico Hines, you know summer runs they'll get the training camp buzz and then october will come and we're talking about you know conference finals i don't know i don't want to get too far ahead of myself <laughs> Let's plan the parade route. They didn't get it right the first time. They didn't get it right right. the first time. We got it. We got to plan ahead of time. Uh, No, I'm completely with you. And I I was saying like just a game ago or two, two pods ago that the Lakers game absolutely broke me. And I was like, I'm not going to believe in this team. I don't care. Beat Denver. Don't beat Denver. I'm not going to believe in this team. I believe in this team. (laughs) They're just they're. You know, I, I think to your point, yes, you have a bunch of guys that are, 
um, overqualified for the roles. And so you you should believe in them. But I think what we've seen happen, and it's unfortunate, is just guys slumping at the wrong time, to your point. And this team does not work without shooting. It just does not. It's just it cannot work without shooting. And so if your shooters are slumping, that's going to be really major. And I think that's still an issue that they have to solve um, because you can't just if, if Fred is can't shoot from outside if Gary can't shoot from outside everything can't fall apart you need to have another shooter right like they need still some more shooting um but I I agree I think this team is incredibly talented and uh they they have guys that can just step up and step in speaking of that we saw Christian Coloco come back today that was something that we've been calling for for a little bit on here as well but that's also a major indictment on Precious Jua who didn't get any time tonight what are your thoughts on that so I'm really pleased to see Christian Coloco back in the rotation. I think there have been a lot of people pointing out, and rightfully so, that having a seven-footer anchoring the back line of the defense has produced pretty incredible results for the defense. So Jakob Pertl being in that role, having Christian Coloco, he's obviously not the physically strong defender that Jakob is. He doesn't have the no, passing yes. vision just yet, the touch, all of those. You know, it's fair. It's yak and bam. That's it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think with Precious... He's someone who I think if he finds the flow of a game, if he gets into a rhythm like that post rising stars challenge that he got into form that he got into last season, he was playing an incredible uh, stretch of basketball. But interestingly to me, at least he was playing offensively, at least more as a wing. Yeah. And I think part of it'll be incumbent on the coaching staff to work out how do you fit him into this uh, rotation in a way that maximizes what he can contribute to the team today. Um, because I think they do need Christian Coloco out there. I think they need 48 minutes of a uh, high value rim An protection. Center. And, uh, or at the very least, someone who can get up there and intimidate someone. Yeah. And uh, Coloco to me does that really, really well. And I think there's a role for Precious Achua. You know, it's not as though the bench outside of Gary Trent Jr. covered themselves in glory today. You know, there were a few, you know, bloopers and mishaps here and there. But I, I I I still believe in Precious. I think he's too much of a gifted athlete. He has he's done so much in terms of his offensive skill set and defensively. He just has too much raw potential there to yeah. you know. And, and the other thing to remember too is he's a third year player. And I see something on the timeline a lot where people say, "Oh, this team isn't developing youth." You know, Scotty Barnes is a very young player. He is being thrown into the deep end of NBA basketball night in and night out. Uh, Christian Coloco is a young player and out goes Precious, in comes Christian Coloco. I think if they can really find a way to get Scotty, Christian, Coloco and Precious into the into the mix all at once, I think they'll be in a really great state planning for the future. And that's what I'd ultimately like them to see. But, you know, you have to earn your minutes. And, you know, we've talked about this over the course of the year with Malachi Flynn. Uh, with with other young players on the roster, you know, minutes aren't just given to you by your draft position or by your contract. Like, you know, it's a pretty competitive league. Sixty new players come into it every year. Yeah. Got to earn it. So, yeah, I, I think it's I, uh, to me it's a ludicrous assertion to say that the Raptors are not developing young talent. Gary Trent Jr. is also incredibly young, right? Like, and you know, um, Oren and I were talking about this uh, on the last pod, which is you know he mentioned that in the NBA right now bench players are incredibly skilled you just don't have a, a specific specialist and I was like well the Raptors kind of just have that on the bench and his counter which I thought was completely accurate is we 
yeah, they're all just incredibly young and those are guys that are after they're developing. You would hope to believe that Gary can develop into more of a playmaker than he currently is, right? Like you would hope to believe that like Precious is just one of, can be one of the most skilled basketball players if you can put all of it together. And same thing with Gary. These are guys that are incredibly skilled and still incredibly young. And yeah, like it, it maybe it felt different when you had, Pascal and 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 Fred but they were 22 as rookies these guys came into the league at younger ages and so they're still kind of what 23 they're babies they're <laughs> they might have been in the league for a little bit longer but they're still incredibly young and that's what the Raptors doing with with the bench I also think it's setting people up for disappointment if you draw a comparison to Pascal oh, for sure the for there sure. two unprecedented stories in NBA yeah. history like Fred Van Vliet, an undrafted all-star. It's just, I think it's what, Ben Wallace and maybe one other player I can think of that's ever done that. And then Pascal Siakam. Oh, undrafted, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, He is the highest paid undrafted player for a reason. It is just not something yeah. that happens very often. Pascal Siakam... It, that's the thing. That was my biggest thing with like, you know, for years with OG. It's like, you're not, you're never going to get the Pascal Siakam story. And OG is still turning into a pretty fine young player. He was absolutely spectacular tonight. To your point, he's really developed into a three-level scorer. Um, it's been a lot of fun to watch him. I just feel like everything's going in for him. Um, the Raptors have a ton of talent and they keep developing talent. I think this team is is in a good position. They're clearly more talented than their record shows on any given night. You can sort of expect a fight, if not a win, which is kind of fun. Yes. And then I, I, when they all are clicking like this, I, and something that has been talked a lot about, I know we're going to talk about Pascal more in depth in a bit. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, Yakov propaganda, although I might start an alt for that. <laughs> um, I mean, if you don't, I will. I need someone else. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but what I, what I find, uh, you know, what people are, are talking a little bit about with, um, with, with Pascal is you've got this situation with him where I he they want him to be this number one scoring option and to be that number one scoring option like everyone else. And the reality of how he plays the game and how I think the Raptors are constructed and therefore they need him to play is to be proactive in sharing the ball. Like if Gary doesn't get a touch for a few minutes, he falls out of the flow of the offense and that's not good for the team. If Fred doesn't get a touch, if Scotty doesn't get a touch, if OG doesn't get a touch. And now you have Jakob who needs to get touches. I mean, he doesn't, they don't call plays from or anything, but he's good enough where you need to find him the ball. And I think Pascal, if you look at how he's developed, he's clearly emphasized his playmaking as an equal part of his counter to getting doubled, to, you know, having bigger, stronger defenders on him. And when shots are falling, it looks incredible. And when shots aren't falling and, you know, they, they try to, you know, use bully ball with Scotty, which does work, it makes him look a little bit more passive. Yeah. And I think as a play style, it makes him someone, I, again, I'm not in the locker room, I don't know anything, but my perception of it would be that he would probably endear himself to his teammates that way by saying, look, I am the max guy. I could probably take 25 shots a night if I wanted to. But the reality is we're better if Gary gets an extra few shots, if Fred gets, you know. So I, I think that to me is when the Raptors are at their best is when he, he's getting those seven, eight assists in a game and he's getting to the line eight times and he's hitting a few threes and really showing the full variety of his skills. Right. No, and I'm glad you brought that up because let's pivot to the Pascal Siakam. Sure. Um, because 
there's been a lot of talk, and I, I think especially over this stretch, Pascal's you know been up and the numbers are there. He's not doing what you know what, what he did in the beginning of the season is impossible for anyone to keep up at that rate. But um, I, I think to your point, especially is something the Raptors do quite often in the fourth quarter is obviously feed the hot hand, and the hot hand has been Scotty Barnes. And I think quite often um, you're just not seeing the Raptors run a lot of plays for Pascal Siakam. Uh, he is sometimes just camped out in the corner, just sort of there to space the floor and kind of disappears a little bit in the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, especially because the Raptors have been losing, you look for faults. And when your star's kind of out there, that takes on a lot of blame. And I just thought, what are your thoughts on how the Raptors have really looked, how Pascal has looked in the fourth quarter of a lot of these games recently? And I think your point right there kind of, touches on yeah. it. I think we already just discussed it, but yeah, throw that to you. Yeah, we're not talking for the very first time just now, but <laughs> sorry to pull the curtain back for the audience. Um, no, I, I think the last few games have been an anomaly for him. Like as, as eager as he is to get others involved, just watching the game, this mm-hmm. has been that to the nth degree. I also think uh, he's someone we saw, like you look at maybe the lowest moment in his career as sort of this featured player is that Celtic series in the bubble. Yeah. He really dedicated himself to, I'm going to play defense as as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to try to rebound the ball and I'm going to try to get my teammates good looks because it's not going for me right now. There are a couple exceptions in that series, but that's generally, again, outside looking in how I think he approached that series. And that sort of reared its head a little bit in these last few games where he's in a slump. He looks tired. He said it himself after the game, and I think you know it's 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 easier said than done. It's how do you play with pace? How do you play with that burst, but yeah. do it under control? And yeah. I think he downregulated where the pace wasn't quite there, and he was trying to just ease his way in. And there was a clear shift in the strategy tonight where they said, "We don't care how many times you have to take the ball, get to the rim, get fouled." He you know had a little shaky start to the, the game at the free throw line, but. You know, it persisted in 25 points, you know, 13, 14 rebounds, eight assists, good shooting percentage. So I I, I think he's going to get out of it because he's been through a lot worse than this. Right. Uh, but I think if you're if you were to point out, you know, what are you know some of the flaws or you know the the traps he can fall into over the course of a long season, that to me is that one where it's that passivity to to you know uh defer to a teammate that may have it going when He's that max guy, and they just need him to shoot his way out of it. Like Demar's old saying, you know, he, he just got to empty the clip some nights, yeah. <laughs> and they need him to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's complete. I think that's completely fair and right. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's always sort of that line that I think any great star, you want any great star to sort of have in their head is like, well, at what point 
am I actually hurting? You know, I, I think that like that level of consciousness is something that you want in your star players. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so like I I, I I you can't be too mad at a guy who's just slumping right now, but he's still giving you the other things that you need. And tonight, I thought one of one of the things that I was really happiest with, and you mentioned it there, he didn't shoot very well from the free throw line, but he got there a ton. Yeah. And I think that that's what you need from Pascal Siakam, a guy who can do that. Now, I did want to have this conversation with you. This is probably not one that we can expand on and have for too long. I mean, this is something sure. that we're going to be discussing on the timeline for years to come, um, I feel like, especially next season. But there's this conversation because I think – I think this Raptor season, obviously, it's not about wins or losses because they've lost so much. Uh, it can't be about that. Otherwise, what would we be all doing here? It's just about the long-term outlook of this team. Is this a core that makes sense? Is this a team that makes sense? And I think so much of that comes down to, is Pascal Siakam someone that you can build around? And is this a team that works around him? And I um, I listened to uh, the Bob McCown podcast this morning, and he had Doug Smith and Michael Grange on, and they talked the Raptors, which I thought was really great. Um, and there was a lot of interesting tidbits in it. And one of them was the fact that the Raptors feel like they're not commanding these calls because they don't have a superstar on their team that can do that. And they don't believe that they maybe have a top 10 or top 15 guy. And that kind of perked my ears up. I don't think that that was meant on the pod. I don't think they were saying that as an indictment on Pascal Siakam. But as someone who came into the league saying that he wanted to be, what, a top five player uh, for the organization to kind of be saying that they don't think that they have a top 10 or top 15 player, what are your thoughts on something like that? Do you think that Pascal Siakam is that guy? And I think with top 15, it's just to say you don't have a top 15 player, it's like you might have a top 16. Like that's just sort of like rough. I think that it's like, do we have a Kawhi Leonard? No, but we have a Pascal Siakam and that's pretty good. What are your thoughts? So I think he's in the conversation. Yeah. Um, he is an all NBA conversation, you know, two of the last three seasons. He's in it again this season, especially if they go on a run in these last 10, 12 games. Uh so that, that to me means you're a top 15 player. If you're routinely in the conversation for one of the top 15 spots in the yeah, league. He made, he <laughs> by made definition, the all NBA two of the last yeah, three years. By, yeah. by definition, you're a top 15. Now, I, I think where we lose the plot a little bit is if you're not Kawhi Leonard, who by all accounts is one of the all-time great players in league history, you're therefore not worthy of building around. Yeah. And I think the question then becomes if you're not, you know, one of an all, you know, you're on all time great. And again, I don't want to rule anything out for Pascal Siakam. This is Pascal propaganda after all. If he sets it But also, mind, this is a player who's the 27th overall draft pick. Yeah, that's like, that's like anyone who's ever put a cap on Pascal Siakam looks foolish right now. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> I, I, like I am, I, I would consider myself one of the bigger Pascal Siakam fans. Um, I'm up there, I'd say. The night he got so. drafted, I have my real GM forum receipts, you know, showing my age a little bit. But I said, wow, he kind of reminds me of Tristan Thompson. I think this could be a good pick. Ooh. And right. <laughs> and, like, think about he only he has the anyways. So if he says he's going to be top five, I, I who am I to doubt him? But if you say, well, we're not sure he's ever going to be that. What is he then? And you then ask the question, how does he age as a player? And there are players who, as they get older, naturally you know, resist the aging curve. You think of, you know, Allen Iverson, you, you know, you kind of look at what Russell Westbrook has gone through a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you look at other players who, you know, embrace that aging curve a little bit more like Dwayne Wade to me and the role he took on with LeBron James, where he was the it guy. He was a top five MVP type player. He said, let me be something else to make this team a success. And all of Pascal Siakam's comments all throughout this season and predating the 21-22 season have been, I want to be in Toronto. 
I want to help this team win no matter what. And I'm ready to be the kind of player this team needs me to be. And I think if you're looking at Scotty Barnes as, could he be that next right. guy? I don't see Pascal Siakam as being resistant to allowing. We're seeing it in the forks. We're seeing it in the quarters already. 100%. So I guess the question is, so what? If he's not that superstar player that you think he is, what's the consequence of that? And if the consequence is it hampers the development of your team, then that's a conversation. But by all accounts and by every indication we've seen on the court, it's not. It's only yeah. going to make his life easier for Scotty. It's only going to make the life easier of whoever we pick in the top 16 or so in the draft this year. So that that would be my I, I gave you a very political answer. I just didn't answer no, it. No, I think I, <laughs> it's I, I propaganda. I, I, so <laughs> it, it works. But no, I, I think that that's incredibly fair. But I, I my biggest issue with it is I, I agree with you. I I would start off by saying, who cares? I think that yeah. that would be the initial point is like, who cares? But also he is your best player. Mm. And he has played at a top 15 level. He has played at a top 10 level. Like We've seen the best from Pascal Siakam. We've seen the highs. And it's, well, what can you put around him to make sure that you're maximizing that? And I think for a team that has built around DeMar DeRozan, who was never a top 10 player, for a team that has built around other guys, what you learn is you just build and create the best team that you possibly can. And if Pascal Siakam is your DeMar DeRozan and you have to trade him to get your Kawhi Leonard down the road, okay, so be it. But you still are not whiffing on building the most competitive team that you can build because he's still your best player and you don't have anyone down the line or that you can get that's better than him right now. The idea that you're just going to go through the draft and get it. I mean, like, I, I don't know. You're you're going to play the Minnesota Timberwolves next. Ask them how long that's taken them, right? Like, like the next team that we're going to talk about. It's really hard to do that. They had number one, they had three number one picks on their team at one point and still had one of the longest playoff droughts in NBA history. Three number one overall picks on the same team at the same time and still. So they're just banking on the the draft is not a winning solution or a winning formula. What the Raptors are doing has been a winning solution and has been a winning formula. So why abandon it, especially for someone who's as talented and as great as Pascal Siakam, where this guy really is the limit with him. Well, I mean, and the proof is with the Timberwolves saying, forget the draft. We want Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eventually they... they like, get rid of all of them. We don't need them. Proof uh, that that um, is not a winning strategy is the fact that they've just given up on the draft entirely. Yeah. They're like, it hasn't helped us. <laughs> yeah, and like one, I, I can hear, I, I know what the sort of reply to a lot of that is. Like, well, the Raptors, if the Raptors are so good at drafting, then, you know, why not put your faith in Masai and Bobby? And I think... I think drafting good. late and drafting early is completely different, though. For sure. And the other thing, too, is as good at drafting you think you are, it's going to be a matter of luck. It's going to be a matter of circumstance. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens, like there are great yeah. players who get drafted and they wind up in the wrong situation and they toil away for years and they go to a second, third team and then it clicks. And yeah. you look at Kyle Lowry. I mean, I don't need to tell you, you know about Kyle Lowry a little bit. <laughs> Kyle Lowry propaganda? Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take there that. There you go. Uh, so his like, offense is running just anyone who's not paying attention to Miami Heat. I mean, their offense has been looking stellar yeah. and it's coincided with someone's return. I, uh, might I think, I think uh, Udonis Haslam's probably back, you know, suiting up <laughs> night, so. it's it. just veteran leadership. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no. but no, I, yeah, I think, I think, um, is he top 10, top 15? We've been having this con at a certain point, he'll either do it and it will be irrefutable or he won't. And it'll be a debate still. Because yeah. 
you know, you look at Kyle Lowry, I think the perfect example there was, oh, is he a playoff performer? And until he was holding Larry O'Brien trophy in his hands, hoisting so it to the crowd, Ugh. then it's like for those five minutes, wow, what a playoff performer. <laughs> like the fact that the conversation on him has completely changed. And it was like, well, you know, all, all these teams need a Kyle Lowry uh, yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it's great. Win a championship and then everyone forgets everything. Unless you win a championship in your third season, then unfortunately you're left having to prove everything. Oh, the, for the rest last of thing, because I know you want to talk about the Minnesota rules, and I'm yeah. only for both. So no, no worries. But the thing I absolutely love is this whole like Pascal scared of the lights. You know, it's like a Wednesday night in like, I don't know, Oklahoma City, like pick a random city. And I'm like, this guy closed Oracle. Like, <laughs> he's scared of the light. That's bad. The, like, but. his first finals game against the, what, two, three-time defensive player of the year, Draymond yeah. Green, put up his career high. Like, talk about oh, yeah. big, bright light. If you want to know my origin story as a Pascal stand, I was at that game, like in person. I was like, I, if you touch the court in that series, I'm defending you for life. And yeah. if you put up 32 on 14 to 17 in your first finals game, like it was nothing. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. You're you're a Raptor lifer for me. Like you've you got a defender forever. So <laughs> he was special. He was so special. So it, yeah. it's so crazy. Can you win with him in the playoffs? Uh, it's been done. It's been done. Yeah. <laughs> History right there. But yeah. um. Let's let's talk about a team that hasn't seen a lot of playoff action. That was a terrible segue, but we're moving forward. We're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who the Raptors will play on Saturday, March 18th, also known as the greatest day ever, also known as my birthday. Um, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your what are you looking for in that game? So there's uh there's an athletic writer, John K. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh forgive me. I, I'm not a professional in this, but he has made, yes. He has made me invested in the not Minnesota from the office. Football. Sorry, no, no, not not uh, of, of Jim and Pam fame, uh, of uh, the soap opera that is this Timberwolves season. I'm fascinated by them. I think uh, you know, Cat's been a pretty serious injury, so they've kind of reimagined what this team looks like. And just from a team building perspective, every time I feel you know that pang of worry about the Raptors and what will they do next season. I think about how the Timberwolves have committed their entire decade to these three and what they've only played 20 games together and they have no idea if it works. So just, you know, grass isn't always totally greener. Uh, but for this matchup, again, very similar to the OKC Thunder. This is a team that wants to be in the mix playoff wise. Yeah. And if they, I think we're going to have a really fun game. Uh, Anthony Edwards is uh, always on the hunt for a poster, and I'm worried for Jakob. You know, we saw what Yuta Watanabe went through. Jakob has been on the other side. He, I mean, he got his bit of revenge tonight on Shea, but that was spectacular. I felt oh, yeah. I was so conflicted. I was like, I know, I feel like a traitor, but I mean, Yak's my guy. Sorry, Shea. <laughs> well, I mean, if Shea doesn't want to get dunked on by Jakob, he knows what he can do. Join so. the Raptors, buddy. And oh, and got his and fell on like yeah, Lee dropped him too. He he had a uh, game. This time. I mean, he knows what he needs to do if he doesn't want it to happen to him. But uh, yeah, so I, I think with this Timberwolves matchup, uh, you know, I, I think they have a really great defender in in the McDaniels twin. Um, and that's going to be a really tough matchup for for Pascal. Jaden yeah. McDaniels, a really great defender. Yeah. Uh, and I think for the Raptors to really excel in this one, they're going to need to uh, win that matchup. And the other thing, too, is Chris Finch and Nick Nurse have a very similar stylistic approach to the game. So I would expect, uh, again, a very interesting clash of styles. So I think I say what you will about the play-in tournament, play-in for what. It's setting up a lot of really interesting basketball games. Yeah, I'm pro-play-in. I'm pretty happy with that, at least. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think I think the ant, I think how do you it'll be fun to watch what the Raptors do to try to contain him. But I, I agree with you that McDaniels Siakam pair also watching watching Jakob against different team centers has kind of been one thing that I've just enjoyed seeing how because like any any time I looked at the game, if the, they were going up against a big center, I was like, all right kind of over for the Raptors I don't see how like I just imagine Rudy Gobert obviously not the sort of offensive center that you think is going to light you up like a Vooch has done or Steven Mm -hmm. Adams just crazy on the boards has done um but like anytime you go up against a big seven footer you're just kind of like how are the Raptors going to disappoint me now how is their lack of center going to show its face here um and you know for Rudy Gobert obviously he is one of the league's best rim protectors ever so it'll be really interesting to see how the Raptors you know is there is there outside shooting going to maintain? Is that something that they can sort of bring forward into the next game? And also, how does Yak fare in that matchup? Well, I think Jakob and Rudy Gobert is a matchup. Uh, the biggest beneficiary of that is Fred Van Vliet to me because yeah. they're going to have Rudy Gobert in a oh, deep yeah. Spot. Oh, yeah. And Fred is going to have some open looks, I would say, it's yeah. to say the least. Yeah, uh, and his shot's got to be there. Oh yeah, and if Fred's hitting those, then the you know the whole dominoes row of dominoes fall from there. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for it. You know, from people covering the Timberwolves, what they seem to say is Rudy Gobert isn't you know quite at that DPOY level right. of defensive productivity, blocking shots. But I mean, like you said, he's still that force uh, to be reckoned with at the rim. So he's still you know, just deters. I think his presence, like I've only caught. Yeah a few Timberwolves games but I've noticed that like guys are still like I think reputation is so much in the league right like it doesn't matter if Fred Van Vliet has not shot the ball well all year he's still going to be guarded out there no one's gonna let him have that and that's kind of same thing with Rudy Gobert you see him there and you're just like oh that's Gobert I don't know that's a seven seven foot at the end of the day yeah like what do you do big man also (laughs) as an an aside very I I love that he loves bees Uh, this is I is that a thing yeah, he's really into like he has an apiary. He's just like a bee guy. He Why makes did he leave honey. Utah? Utah, isn't that the bee? I learned that because of their jerseys. Because I was like, what is this black and yellow? Like, what are the jazz? Don't really about bees. They're the bee state. No kidding. Yeah. Get out. No way. The Utah. Utah is the bee state. I was like, I didn't really? know that. Yeah. Do you know what's so funny? As a quick, a complete tangent. I love how much I learned from Utah through their jerseys. You know, the deserts, the wonderful sort of uh, sunsets, the, story. the bees. Because wow, I I just thought it was black like, and yellow was like, so weird. I was just like, what yeah. are they doing? I mean, and then I enough. learned the bee state. Bee state. I mean, hey, it's everything but jazz. Um, <laughs> the end of the day. But uh, that's that's mad. But I, I, like, I think this matchup. I'm actually this. I'm going to be at that game on Saturday. What I'm looking for again is just like, do they play together? The Timberwolves, similarly to the OKC yeah. Thunder, play at a really fast pace. Yeah. Do they match that? Because I think the Raptors have the athletes to match it. Yeah. You know, I, one common refrain I see is, "Why don't we play at a faster pace?" Uh, I think they'll have a, an opponent that will let them, and uh, they just have to take advantage. So I, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I'm hoping for a win because it's my birthday, guys. Just like be nice yeah. to me. Because you know what? My last birthday, Russell Westbrook hit that three. You remember that was that was the best Scotty Barnes game. Oh god, it that still oh, sort that, of that, lives that. in infamy in my brain. But uh, and then Russell Westbrook decided to ruin it by hitting I don't know his one three pointer of the year. Um, but yeah, no. So hopefully, hopefully the team comes back 
and Avenges My Birthday Games with a win. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. Hopefully, we're talking after a win next time, too. Bye, everybody. Three in a row. Three. That would be so nice. I mean, they they keep winning at home. They keep winning at home. It's just, can you do it? Can you do it on the road? Because hey, if they stay if they stay in nine, at least they get one home game, but they're definitely gonna get a road game as well. So hopefully they can move up the standings. Are you watching that? Before I, I know I just closed it off, but I guess my last question to you, are are you someone who is just like anxiously awaiting the games? Oh, like yeah, yeah. It, like it depends on not not the Raptor game, sorry. Like, are you anxiously looking at the standings? Oh, oh. waiting other teams' games. Like uh... I am March 17th, huge day. Yeah, I, I would put myself on a scale. I'd probably like a seven out of ten. Okay. Um, I, I think the, the as the Raptors win, my interest peaks because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we might do something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it. I love this time of year. I just think it's so, so fun. Fun. magic numbers are so fun. Yeah. I, it, like, I'm someone who's like, what's the magic number to do this? Why do you care? It's the Western Conference, girl. <laughs> but I like the Western. Imagine being a Western Conference fan. If you're seed four through what I think twelve or thirteen, like your team is in it, you've got yeah. a chance. And yeah. you know what? Forget like I, I, we're not actuaries; we're just sports fans. It's like a child's game. I'm going to just you know maybe my team will have a good year and that'll be fun. And I'll, I'll worry about the future planning for the people who are paid to do that. <laughs> hey, I love it. That's a great mindset to have. That's a mindset that all of us should have. So now I'll actually close us off. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Cashin, so much for joining me. And peace out. 